Hello, welcome to Dan Gordon Podcast. Today is episode 15. It's called Sword in the Stone with Adrian. It was an excellent, excellent conversation. I really, really enjoyed it, and I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, Adrian, he was a friend of mine in prison, and we're both out now, and he's doing great, and I'm so proud of him, and I hope you enjoy the episode, and I hope that it helps you out in some way. Thank you. Anyway, so I am here with my friend Adrian, and me and Adrian, we were in prison together for about four years, right? Maybe not together. That's right, yeah. Maybe two or three years. Well, about, I would say two and a half together. Okay. And so I I think that it's going to be a really good conversation we're going to have. The reason I invited him on here was because uh, Adrian's gotten through a lot. He's overcome anxiety, and, you know, I think it's just an awesome thing for people to be successful when they get out. I know it's only been six months, but usually... As far as recidivism goes, people normally go back to the old behaviors right away and don't make it out that long. So anyway, Adrian, how do you feel, man? Feel good. Yeah, Um, yeah, better than I've ever felt, you know, so. Yeah, I feel pretty damn good. Why is that? (laughs) Uh, Just all the growth, you know, the the spiritual growth, the real the real growth that never kind of goes away. So it's. uh, um lasting transcending you know suffering and finding meaning in it and being thankful for all of it so it really transformed my whole little story that i've had this whole time to being a victim of my environment to being thankful for all the the bullshit because without it i wouldn't be who i am today and and you know victor frankl's old saying the uh when you find meaning in suffering it ceases to be suffering and that's exactly what happened and you know when i saw it in that that new light, it just completely opened my eyes and I felt the grace and um, just God's you know, arms around me like it was necessary. Every, it was all necessary for my growth. And, um, you know, this reality that, that we think is, is real is all temporary. So yeah. the impermanence of this and the impermanence of this vessel that I'm inhabiting right now is that's that's what really helped wake me up to that realization and i became aware of it it's something that i know not something i believe well that's a hell of an opening man i love it um so let's let's go back to who were you before you got locked up like let's tell me about yourself like what what kind of person you were the things you valued and, and kind of let's go through that a little bit so that we can you know share with these people the the transformation you know yeah sure uh well i was like i grew up christian you know like uh just real conservative and stuff like that. But I was very sexist and very alpha male type, like kind of like a two-year-old, like a grown two-year-old, you know? Yeah. And just, I, I believed in, you know, just working hard and, and getting my money and uh, drinking. And, you know, I had a family, I got a family still, but, you know, we're not together anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, taking care of my wife and kids and stuff like that. Uh, was they were my world and I, I didn't realize how asleep I was but I was miserable you know so a lot of people would say I was uh psychotic because I would have these fits of rage because deep down I wasn't fulfilled I was just going through the motions and doing what I was programmed to do by my you know my surroundings my family my exposure as a child so doing that and thinking that because I had some material gains and on paper, I should be happy, 
but I wasn't happy. And so, you know, being diagnosed with bipolar didn't help yeah. and, uh, self-medicating with uh, alcohol, meth, and it would have me just more erratic. And, uh, and so I was seeking love within those drugs. I was seeking love outside of myself, but the kingdom of heaven is within everything is within you, mm-hmm. you know? So I didn't know that at the time I was very immature and, um, losing my family, you know, cause my ex-wife, she had a psychotic break, multiple psychotic breaks and, uh, getting charges put on me through all that divorce and being just bitter. Uh, I was just, a self-destructive was like the best way I could put it. I was very self-destructive and anything that I did have that was nice, I would find a way to, to destroy it. And uh, it wasn't like I intentionally did it. It was just an un- subconscious thing. It was just like a, a, a worthlessness feeling, you know, uh, because I don't have what I had, you know, it's like, I have no reason for living. That, that was my reason for living was being a family man. And so, yeah, uh, I really, I really needed that awakening of going to prison, but that's who I was. I was very uh, out of control, violent, uh, five suicide attempts and Machismo. You know, just out there. Yeah. It was all, it was all about being the ultimate badass. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and that that's was not what life's about. So that was like basically just a front because really maybe uh, I'm just kind of shooting in the dark here. Maybe you were insecure and you were trying to portray yeah. that, convey that so that other people thought that, that you were this certain type of person that you're not because you didn't actually know who you were. Exactly. I didn't know who I was and um, I wanted to hurt. Yeah. I was seeking, I was seeking pain um, subconsciously. I just, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to die. You know, I wanted, I was miserable. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so you got, you got locked up. A lot of people are really interested in hearing about, uh, that whole thing. Like, tell me about the first days in jail. What were those like? Well, uh, I was a victim, you know, Yeah. Uh, again, I, I was, I was blaming everybody else and, uh, I was pissed off and, didn't think that it was real. Like I was really in prison and or when I was in jail, just tripping out that I was in jail, like that shit wasn't real. Like I, I'm not really here for this. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? I'm surrounded by, I'm surrounded by trash. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trash. Yeah. I always considered myself class and all this. And that was just the arrogance and ego. Yeah. Uh, and so now I'm surrounded by these, uh, to me, they, they were just like trash on the street. You know what I mean? So, uh, just demanding my family, get me out, you know, cause there's some bull and uh, just kind of yelling at everybody on the phone, like, like a kid, you know, just like a spoiled kid. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what did and what? Then you want to talk about the first times in prison and TDC now? I mean, cause yeah, that was a whole sure. different Go thing. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, that was hell. Yeah. <laughs> Why was it hell? That was hell. Well, what I know now, the, why it was hell, it was, it was my state of mind. Yeah. And so this, my state of mind was still that victim. And, but now it's like, I'm actually in prison and I got people charging me up, you know, treating me like shit and they don't know who I am. If they knew who I was, they would respect me. It was the Wait. ego thing again. 
Before you go there, how much time did you get and how much were you facing? Uh, five to 99 and I got five. Okay, you got five. And, and yeah. so by the time you went to prison, how much time have you done in jail? Because for those who don't know, your time from jail transfers to prison. Only four months. Okay, so you did four months. So you had uh, four years and eight months left. Right. As far yeah. as you knew. Okay. And so go back to the yeah. ego thing. So being this uh, egotistical, better than everybody, uh, felt like I've already proven myself, made my bones, and and now I'm over here in, uh, at Middleton Unit and uh, getting treated like, like crap from the law because, see, when I was in county, the laws knew me. Uh, a lot of them I grew up with in school. Okay. Uh, the ones that were higher up and ran the jail, they knew me and my family, so they treated me good. But uh, when I went to TDC, it was a whole different thing. And, and so I'm being treated like, like I didn't think they could get away with stuff like that. So <laughs> you yeah. know how it is in there. They can, they can pretty much do whatever they want. And that's how it felt. So I felt powerless. I yeah. felt, it felt hope, hopelessness and just, um, and I was a short timer. Yeah. I got all these people. So I can't complain about it. I can't sit there and cry about it. Uh, I just got to shut up and just eat yeah, it and just. We were there with people who were getting like 99 years, 20 years, 25 years. Yeah. And you got four years and people look down on you because you have less time. Short time. They jealous. call you short timer. Yeah. yeah. No. And so I had a friend, he, he was doing 25 ag and, you know, we were having a conversation and I, I think I whined to him like twice. And he's like, next time you whine about your short time, we're going to be fighting. <laughs> Right here yeah. in the library. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you show right. You show right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I learned then just like, I just got to suck it up and yeah. just take what they give me. So that, that didn't really help though, because, you know, everybody's journey is different. You know what I mean? And yeah. one man's hurt isn't different than another man's hurt. Yeah. The, this, uh, the context around it might be different, but you got one guy who says you shouldn't be hurting because my hurt is worse. Like that's not true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to find like-minded individuals and, and to really like get out of the rut was the thing. But before then I had to go deeper into the rut Yeah. and, yeah. you know, doing drugs again in, inside of prison, you know, seeking, uh, any type of thing to help me feel better. So still doing meth, still drinking. Yeah. And, um, you know, getting porn, anything I could get my hands on that would take me away from what is in the present. Yeah. And so that resistance created even more suffering, you know what I mean? And then on top of that, having, you know, different gangs looking at me crazy and uh, trying to stay out the way, but at the same time getting in their pocket, you know what I mean? So that was the whole issue, you know, I almost got smashed on day one and uh, that, that was just a hell of a thing, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, what is the mentality of uh, people in prison for people who don't know? Uh, I don't know if you know anything about spiral dynamics, but if you haven't, check out the book Spiral Dynamics because it's um, right. it's really, really good, and it, it'll explain exactly where the prison mentality is. It's okay. red. It's spiral dynamics stage red, and it's a very um, primal state. You know, that's putting it real simply. It's very primal. And yeah. it's basically if if I can if I can whoop you, if I can beat you up, then I'm right. Yeah, then I'm better so than you. I'm gonna take that. And if you're messed up about it, we can we can fight. And if I win, then I'm right. Yeah. And, we, and it's over anything. 
any little thing. Yeah. So the the mentality there it tripped me out, man, because uh it was like there in prison, you are patted on the back for being an idiot. Yep. Yep. And if you're trying to do right, you're looked as weak. Yep. So you get tested more. And so you really have to make sure that you're ready all the time. You gotta make sure that they see that you're ready all the time. Yep. So you gotta be working out, you gotta look strong and you gotta be strong. Yeah. It's gotta be genuine. Yep. Because they're gonna know. They're gonna they're test gonna it. They're gonna smell it. They're gonna smell it. And it it's that whole energy thing. They're gonna test it and they're gonna feel it if it's real or not. Cause you can say all yep. the right things, but if it doesn't look for real, then well. You're going to get hurt. You know what I mean? You're, it's not going to be good for you. Yeah. So having that always in the back of your mind, like any day now, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pop off. And uh, it wasn't the, the fear of getting in an altercation. It was the fear of the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. So now if that happens, well, now parole is going to look at that and say, oh, you like to fight. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to be on my ledger. You like to fight. This guy likes to fight. Or this guy's an idiot. Yeah. And, and everyone's going to test you. Yeah, but in reality, it's survival. Yeah, that's it. That's all it is. Is you're just trying to you're just trying to make it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want my shoes took, or I didn't want them to take my glasses. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's to me. It, it's very interesting. Like racially, um, I think for a white person, it was easiest to to self differentiate and do something good. Like for me, like the white the white guys are kind of like, all right, whatever. Mexicans, it's kind of second hardest. But for the blacks, man, they had it. They had it the hardest, honestly. And I, I'm going to tell you why. Because I remember, I had this, uh, and I'm I'm not one of those. Okay, this is my opinion. But from what I saw, from where I was at, um, I had this this young black dude that I was that I was mentoring, and a couple of them, right? And and I was talking to you later on. And um, anytime a black guy started doing good, every single one of their homeboys would dog on him, would would tell him they're a hoe, would tell him this, this, that, and the other, and they would pull him back down like crabs in a melting pot. And that's from, from my perspective, yeah. I seen it like that. Like they were like, and dude, you know, I'm not one of them white privileged, blah, blah, blah type people. But in that situation, it was like the, the blacks were hardest on their people. Uh, Mexicans second. And then the white guys were just kind of like, if, if you're wood, you're wood. If you're not, you're not, you know, what are you, what were you going to say? Well, I disagree, but you okay. know, I respect your perspective and uh, it's interesting. Um, I'm not Mexican, and, I'm not, and you I'm were not, you were kind of yeah. Right? I, I'm I'm not I'm not biased or anything. Well, I'm not Mexican. Well, the thing is, I Mexican know, but isn't a race. Explain it's that. A, uh, okay, so I'm Hispanic. Because, well, well, listen to this real quick. Um, in prison, you're either white, you're Hispanic, or you're black. That's it. You know no, I mean? either 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 you're white or you're Mexican yeah. or you're black. Yeah, they exactly. Don't, they're very ig- a lot of people in prison are ignorant. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and it's not their fault, of course. Uh, I don't, I don't judge them or anything. It's just, it is what it is. But because I didn't claim Mexican, yeah, this was one of the reasons why I almost got smashed on day one. So, yeah. uh, you know, the first thing they do is uh, check your paperwork, they check what who you're running with, uh, who you're claiming, who you're gonna ride with, or whatever, and uh, where you're from. So. I tell them off the rip, I'm not, I'm not Mexican. They're like, well, what are you? I said, well, <laughs> are you white or black? <laughs> I'm, I'm Spanish. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm, I'm Spaniard. Uh, got a little German in me and uh, a little native American, you know, I can actually, I actually know 
where what uh, my bloodline is, you know? Yeah. And so I didn't go all the way and tell him everything, but I, I could. But just telling him that pissed him off. So it was already, you know, put a bad taste in their mouth. And then, uh, and then my charge didn't help. Even yeah. though after looking at my paperwork and hearing my story, it was just like, oh, okay. You know, and uh, luckily I had a good, a good friend, a childhood friend who grew up with me, who, who vouched for me and uh, they respected him enough. Yeah. And they were, they let, they let me make it, which they really didn't know. They were really setting me up later on down the road. But anyway, that's another thing. Uh, but yeah, the Mexicans, in my opinion, had it, had it the roughest because uh, they're very, very prideful. Mm-hmm. And um, when it comes to claiming Mexican or any stuff like that, like uh, they were the ones that really looked at your background, that really checked you out, mm-hmm. that they were always like kind of the ones that were about it, you know, they're, they're really about it. And they're kind of like kind of psychotic, you know what I'm saying, to that point where I had a lot of black friends who they got away with a lot of shit with, yeah. with their uh, homeboys and stuff like they just okay. they let them make it. You know, this guy's this or this guy's this and and uh he's still riding, he's still in the gang. Like, what? Yeah. You know, if you were like that in the Mexican gang, if you were you were out of there, you couldn't you couldn't do that and still ride. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially if you were like a you know in a family or fama or whatever, like Sudanio and all of them. I got some homeboys who are in that and they're they get X'd out. Yeah. You know, and there's no, you know, and this or buts about it. So uh, you know, and the whites, they just kind of had it the easiest, in my opinion, from what I saw, yeah. you know, the friends that I had, you know, they just kind of, you know, as long as you were, you said you were going to fight, then they'll let you make it. Yeah. You know, you didn't yeah. really have to ride or anything like that. But the, the Mexicans, man, it was forced uh, workouts and shit, you know, mandatory workouts and yeah. uh, mandatory. You had to, you had to look good. You, you know, you're not going to be dingy. You yeah. sit at their table. You're not going to be without a haircut and look like a, a bum, you know. So you're gonna you're gonna look strong. You're gonna be strong, and you're gonna be well kept. And your house is gonna be well made. It was very militant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and and you know, also they were the biggest the biggest race in prison where we were at. You know, it was Mexican, yeah, black, and then white. That's another thing. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. the guards. So too. there's no getting away from them. Yep, yeah. there's no getting away from them. And the guards are riding with them. You got some guards who were crip, some guards who were, you know, with those, with the families and they're all riding, not all of them, but you know, uh, majority. They were all dirty to some degree or another, for sure. Seem like, seem like it. I I don't know that, but you can safely assume. Yeah. So let's, let's get away from that a little bit. And I want to talk more about um, when did you start changing and how did you start changing? Let's talk about that while you're locked up. Okay. I had to be. Broken down completely. Yeah. And real, real true humility because um, I was trying and practicing humility before I got locked up. Yeah. Uh, to try to escape my own mind, I was I was practicing this thing called uh, self-actualization. And it lasted for about a year. I was sober while I was on uh, paper and everything. I was on probation. Actually, I didn't just get sentenced five years. I, I messed up my probation. Okay. Doing a soul family violence charge. And, um, and, uh, anyway, so I thought I was doing good 
and really all all that was happening was I was developing a spiritual ego. And so whenever push come to shove, when I was finally challenged, well, I slipped right back and did, you know, I ended up hurting someone I care about. And, uh, I, I felt the guilt though. You know, I really felt the guilt. Whereas before I used to not feel the guilt. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that guy was dead and gone, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I thought I was better now. And so here I am again, messing up again. Like I, I deserve to be shot. I remember telling my mom that while I was crying, like I deserve to be shot. I got the police looking for me. Um, when they finally caught up to me, um, it was embarrassing. They put a gun in my chest in front of my job and everything. I got 45 right in my chest. And, uh, then going to prison and then uh, still still trying. But now it's like, now's the time to be crazy because obviously that's what they respect here. Yeah. So yeah. Going, going against the grain and still trying and having that mental internal battle and facing those demons internally, like, just do it, man. Just show them what you can do. Just turn your brain off and just spaz out. Just yeah. spaz out. Just not yeah. care anymore. Just don't care. Just be ready to die. Just go out there. And then the other side, just like, think about your family. Think about your kids. And so that ended up prevailing. Yeah. But the thing about the hero's journey, right? You got the hero. What is a hero? Well, Campbell said it was, it was someone who gave his life for something greater than himself. So now paraphrasing, but that's what I did. I, I, I went meta and I looked at the bigger picture and that's what kept me centered. That's what kept me focused. Like I was doing this for something greater than myself. I was doing this for my children. I was doing this for my family. And I even called that chapter in my life going at that moment. I told my, I called my mom and I told her this chapter in my life is just going to be titled prison. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use it as a, a blessing in disguise. Like they say, they give you time. That's a gift. Yeah. They gave me time. They gave me time to get right. They gave me time to improve myself. They gave me time to, to get out of the rat race of life, to get out of the ego building race of life and really focus on what's real. So when you're, when you're stripped away of everything, and you're left with what you are truly, you can see clearly you have those realizations in you for yourself. And it's all clear. Mm -hmm. The path is clear. It's obvious the choice. Then it's obvious. And it's, it's, it makes it easier not to not give in to those temptations. And then uh, whenever you're faced with that inner demon saying, basically just, just do it, just get out there. doesn't mean that you're not still, you know, uh, going to defend yourself or anything like that. It's just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it unless I have to, I'm mm-hmm. not going to do it at an ego or out of people, what they might think about me. Yeah. They can think I'm weak all, I, all they want to, but I'm going to stay ready. And if they want to test, if I'm weak, well, I'm going to let my hands fly. But if I drop a dude, I already had it in my mind. I'm going to, I'm going to help them up. And it's not going to be out of anger or malice that I'm going to punch him. It's just going to be out of survival, just mechanical. Yeah. And, and so there's no, there's going to be no ill feelings about it, no judgments. And if I get whooped, well, it is what it is. It's not like a big deal. You know what I mean? I've been beat up quite a bit in my life. So, but uh, yeah, that was the main thing, man. Looking at 
just looking at the bigger picture, man, and really trying to transform for myself. So that way I could be more selfless with my family later on. The wisdom that I get and the, the insights that I get and the knowledge that I get when it comes to anything spiritual or anything else other than that, I'm a, I can share it now with my kids. I can share it now with my family and I can help them. Mm-hmm. And I can spread these, you know, I like what uh, Marcus Aurelius said, what you do in life that goes for eternity. And, and, you know, it stuck with me because it's like this ripple effect and you can put out these negative ripples or these positive ripples. Like how much, what do you want to create? Do you want to shine and help? Or do you want to like create these negative ripples and, and, you know, create the next Hitler potentially, mm-hmm. you know, just speaking curses and death on people instead of speaking life to an individual and not judging people and just seeing their true nature, the divinity that is within everything. Yeah. And so em- empathy really like looking at a, a guy that people would say, Oh, he's bad. No, he's not. He's just been misguided. He's asleep. He doesn't know better. He's exactly where he should be though. He's yeah. serving a purpose, but he's not bad. See what I mean? Yeah. Having that recontextualized mindset, you know, it just, that's what really helped me stay focused on that path of, of self-mastery, you know? Yeah. Well, I know that you, something that you said stuck out to me and you started talking about Joseph Campbell. I know that you love stories. I know that, that me and you have broken down yeah. plenty of movies and plenty of different stories. What is the story that you think that maybe um, helped you the most? What was the story that really stuck with you that you thought about a lot during that time? When you say stories, you mean it could be fictional. It could be books you know, or movies, whatever. It could be whatever. Man. King Arthur. King Arthur. Tell me about it. It's your story it of King Arthur. Deconstruct yeah. it, man. Uh, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll make it quick, but man, I'm, I'm about to actually watch that again, you know, with my grandparents just to like, just to refresh it because it's, yeah. it's so good. Like visually and everything, you could critique the movie. Uh, on the surface, but if you really break it down and um, and look at the story itself, of King Arthur, you know it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a hero's journey, like most movies nowadays. Um, uh, an easy one to, to, to take apart a Star Wars. So I'm not going to use Star Wars, even though my that, that would be my favorite of all time. But you know I'm going to use this one because it's really good. Uh, so King Arthur was raised in a, like a a brothel basically he was raising the slums and uh he was sent he wasn't that he was royalty mm-hmm. but because he was going to get killed because he was a threat like kind of like lion king you know he was a threat to the throne um he was just about to get killed and you know his whole family his bloodline so he gets rescued he gets saved by getting cast away on the cool but while he's he's saved he's at he's, he's in the lowest of the low so he's being programmed or or brainwashed by his exposure to uh, his survival created his ego which wasn't who he truly was so this this um toxic ego that he developed was that of a you know a tough guy he had to be so he he was very uh, clever and things you know but he used it for like evil basically you know he's 
he's making money and he's uh he's running he's running the show, but he's really got a little gang. But he grew up doing that and, and watching and, and learning from all these other individuals who are surviving. So basically he has the world telling him who he is. And he believes it. He believes he's this guy who is this, you know, uh ringleader, this this gangster, this tough guy. And uh, he's all about the money and, and trying to trying to get somewhere and uh, materialistic. Well, it's not until you know the call happens. You know, when a hero's journey and they get a they get a call, they're stagnant and they're 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 uh, they're molded by society. And so then, when he gets the call to the, the journey and adventure, uh, he goes off and he's. He's fighting a lot of internal battles, internal demons of um, just limiting beliefs that he's not worthy, that he's not this, he can't do it. And until, you know, he pulls the sword out and then realizes and everyone realizes, you know, he's got something. He, he's, uh, he, he must be because he's got his caliber now. So when he pulls the sword out, metaphorically, he takes the power back from the world. So he's taking his power back. But now he's still struggling. Part of the journey, he's still fighting these internal demons and doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want this pressure. He doesn't want this challenge. So he's resisting it. But at the same time, what he doesn't realize, is he, he's still pushing forward. He's still pushing forward, whether he likes it or not. He's on this, this path, and then there's no going back. Mm-hmm. And so all that resistance, it's it's purifying them. It's burning it all out. And so at the end of the road, when he de- defeats his uncle and uh, he, you know, he realizes his true nature and he becomes king. You know, that's who he always has been. Except yeah. now he is that, and he's he's actualized it because he had to realize it and go through that journey. So that's to me the real hero's journey is the whole philosopher's journey of self-realization okay. of knowing who you truly are when did you pull then, the sword out yeah. adrian in your uh, life because this story obviously really resonated with you because you felt it because it was something yeah, that you experienced yourself sure. and it was something that that, that sure. you knew that was going on in your life you know before you were who you were because everyone else because it's society because of where like your environment because you you were kind of turned off at that point and so that's what you're talking about when he's raising this brothel he thinks he's low but then you realize you're high mm-hmm. so at one point you realized you were something else and you pulled the sword out of stone when do you think that was yeah it was sometime uh, at smith unit okay i'm not quite i'm not quite sure i was a i was a seeker and i was just really i was searching and I, I knew we were on the path of self-mastery. You know, me and you created a mastermind in prison and like uh, not too many people do that. So yeah. I'm proud of me, proud of us. Yeah, that was and, fun. And uh, it, it really helps stay focused because, you know, we had the same goal. Be yeah. all we can be, you know, army style. You know what I mean? So we had it figured out, the piece of the pie. You know, we, we know what, what it takes to be a happy human let's get this done and let's do it for our family. Let's do it for this bigger reason. Yeah. So while I'm doing that, I'm, I'm getting all these pieces of the pie. I'm, I'm building my body. I'm building my mind. I'm building, I'm building something. I'm building integrity. I'm, I'm building authenticity because that being authentic, it's, 
it's a practice because it's fear that keeps us from being authentic. Yeah. It's fear that keeps us from really being hundred percent us and it takes awareness. So we have to build our awareness, being mindful, being mindful and not go on autopilot basically yeah. of, of our emotions and our body. And, and, uh, so all these things, having to practice, start to practice meditation and all these things to really try to calm my, my mind down. And it's not really calming the mind down. It's detaching from the low self mind, the monkey mind is what the Buddhists call it. And so that's how you quiet the mind by detaching from the thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's not like your thoughts stop. It's that you're detached from them to a point to where they kind of do stop. You know, it's a, it's a paradoxical uh, counterintuitive thing. It's, and so when I realized that it was, uh, I started becoming more aware that I was that alone. I was awareness itself. Yeah. I was conscious. I was consciousness and that that's it. You know what I mean? Your when sword was, realize, yeah. was the awareness. Yes. Like the awakening. Yes. And maybe, and maybe like yes. in, in the movie, he like quickly pulls the sword out of the stone, but the whole journey is for him to get there to pull the sword out of the stone. So he didn't really yes. exactly pull it out quickly. It was something that he was continually pulling out until he was ready to actually mm-hmm. get it out. And there was the awareness. So it's like, it's not a quick, here's the, here's the wisdom. Here's the knowledge. It was the, it was the breaking down of yourself. It was the going through, you know, losing absolutely everything. People don't realize it. Like when you're in prison, you lose. Yes. Absolutely. There's nothing you have anymore. You have the white clothes they give you. You have uh, the commissary that you buy there, but you really have nothing. You don't even have choices anymore. Hardly, you know, like you do, you absolutely have choices, but they're a lot more limited, you know? Um, I think this is awesome. Extremely. Dude. Well, let me, let me, uh, let me, yeah. let me, uh, I got to say something on that because you said something very powerful. <clears throat> You're absolutely right about when you lose everything. Yeah. Tyler Durden, Fight Club. Yeah. All right. There it is. It's only when you've lost everything, then you are free to do anything. Yep. Yep. And so that right there was it. The breaking down to, to really see what's real. Mm-hmm. And when you can do that within your own mind, you can literally jailbreak your mind. You can unbrainwash yourself from society, unlearn what society has given us yep. and what your family and what everybody has given. It's only you, no one else. So doing that and having lost everything is what led to that awakening and really yep. doing it within myself. Also removing like an onion you peel back all the layers of what you're not. And that's when you realize the self with a capital S because it's the self is always realized. The self is always present. The self is, is always there. It's only realizing the not self is when you can find it and see it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how it happened. That's awesome. I like it. Um, do you think that you're worthy of that? Like you said that, that basically he was a king before he was a king. Do you feel like a king right now? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Why? Yep. Uh, because I, I know who I am. Okay. Uh, I know my true nature and it's, it's truly recontextualized my whole reality 
Okay. I see everything, you know, uh, with the beauty mm-hmm. that I, I couldn't see before. Um, life is so beautiful in a way that escapes words. I can find beauty in a piece of trash, you know, floating in the wind. I can find beauty in a pile of dog crap. I, you know, I literally see beauty in, in everything. And um, I think that's what everyone's truly after. And they don't know it. Some of them, most of them probably just don't know it. They're too busy chasing smoke. Yeah. Something. And I think that's a good meditation is the, uh, to meditate on the impermanence of everything. Yeah. You know, so when you meditate on the impermanence of everything, you also meditate on your own mortality as the, the, the concept of you, the idea of you, because all, all you are, as, as we think of ourselves when we talk about the ego, is literally a construct of our own minds. It's not, it's not real. And so knowing that that isn't real, and, it, and then I had the realization, of the no self-realization, and I was left with what I truly am. That right there just like uh, really opened my eyes. I thought I was awake before, but they were, you know, my eyes were wide shut. They weren't, I was completely asleep. Mm-hmm. Even though I was doing the right things and I was genuine and I was, people on the outside would say, he's figured it out. Yeah. I still, I still haven't, even though I thought so too. Well, awakening to me is like a constant cycle of awakening. Like you awaken oh, in one is, level yes. and then, then yes. you awaken in the next level and the next level. And it's just yes. constantly, you're like, and then when you awaken, yes. you're like, dude, I was asleep before. It just, it's constantly, you're like every week for me, almost when you're in, you're on a, like a trans transformative path. Like every week is like, holy crap. Last week I was way down here and now I'm up here and now I'm up here. Like I always, I always say, dude, if you stagnate, you're failing. If you're like, this is where I need to be. The people who are the biggest fools are the people who, who think that they are where they need to be. The people who actually think they're awake. You know, I know you're saying that, but I know you don't mean that. What you mean is awakening. You're constantly waking up. You're constantly waking up. You're constantly like, dude, this is, this is the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, you know? Well, yeah, you're, you know, you're exactly right. And uh, yeah, I know a lot of people assume that when I say that, but uh, one of the, the things that I've agreed to with myself is never to assume anything. And that's the reason why, but yeah. Uh, so awakening is there's multiple facets of awakening. People like to think of awakening as like a mountain and you get to the top and you made it, but really it's more like multiple mountains with yeah. multiple valleys. And those are the many facets of awakening. Yeah. And so you could have the self-realization awakening of your true nature you could have the realization of the, of the no self. You could have the realization, uh, all is one, uh, the samadhi, the, all, all these uh, realizations. And, and some of them, you can happen at once, all at once, you know, uh, not all at once, but, you know, multiple at once. Um, you can uh, awaken to God's infinite love and, and, and infinite consciousness and, and truly like that that infinite state you could you could have the realization of non-duality and experience that uh and become aware of it and then therefore now for you it won't be a belief it won't be something that sounds good it won't be something that's kind of like wishful thinking it'll be fact it'll be like just physics newton's law of gravity it'll be like that it, it, you know, that's how sure 
you will be. That's how sure I am. And mm-hmm. if nothing special about me, anybody can do it. And I, if anything, I'm a living testimony now for that because of where I was and how I am now when it comes to, you know, people that know me. Yeah. So where does, where does faith play in all this? You talk about a lot of spirituality. Where do, what is your faith and where does it play in all this? Faith. Uh, the way I interpret faith, it's the faith is loyalty to the vision. That's how I interpret faith. Okay. So I have faith in my vision when it comes to what I want to create. And it could be a, it could be a drawing. You know, I could be working on my art. I have faith that this is going to come out right. I have faith that I am capable and I can, I can do anything. So uh, when I'm playing a guitar, when I'm, uh, I plan on uh, becoming a trucker, but fear always held me back. It was always the fear of I might kill somebody. My, my, you know, my ego yelling at me, you, you can't do it. You don't even have your license yet. You try, <laughs> you're thinking yeah. about a CDL. This ain't going to happen. All that negative talk, this negative self-talk that might pop up. I'm detached from now, or if I ever hear it from somebody else, I, I say, well, you know, that's your opinion. I appreciate it, but I don't, I don't entertain it because I have faith in the vision of what I'm going to create. That's where I am with faith. When you talk about spirituality, um, my practice and what I do, I don't, I'm not, I don't subscribe to any uh, religion. Uh, I, I, for me, it's direct experience is everything. Direct experience is king. So if you study epistemology, which is, you know, studying where we get our knowledge, and then you you see clearly what you know and what you don't know, what is just a belief. And so for me, I have faith the chair won't collapse when I sit on it. Mm-hmm. I have faith that, that uh, the TV will turn on when I push the button, you know, things yeah. like that. Um, is my is the faith but what i know is a whole different thing and and i've I've become aware of it you know how do you know anything you become conscious of it you become aware of it and when you're aware of it you don't need anyone telling you this or that you don't need a preacher telling you his interpretations and, and trying to will yourself to believe something it's just i know this thing to be true and i don't need anybody to validate me Mm-hmm. I think that's good. So you, uh, I really think that, that we've said everything that, that, that we need to say, what would, what would your hope be with, uh, you know, I asked you about this podcast. I asked you to do it with me. You did it with a little reluctance, but what would your hope be for somebody listening to this podcast right now? To find out who they are. Okay. Because uh, I can I can safely assume anybody listening to this doesn't know. Even if they think they know, they probably don't. And most likely they don't. And um, that would be my biggest hope. Okay. I, I want to, I really, I want everyone to awaken, but I know that they will on their own time. 
to the to the to the realization of who they are. Okay. And and once that unfolds, it, it's going to be a a wild ride from then on. It's going to be fun, and they will really see the beauty in everything. Because I think the problem we have as a, a society and as even a world overall is we lack unity. We lack holistic thinking. And if you go and if you go out in outer space as an astronaut, and, and I've, you can hear stories from them, they have a sense of awe when they look at the world because they realize this is our home. There's no division there. It's a, it's a singularity. And a whole on is uh, one organism made up of many organisms or one thing made up of many things. You are a whole on because you are, you have all these different parts that make the body go. And then you break it down into cells, each individual cell, and then it goes down further and further. And really everything is made out of smaller, smaller, smaller holons, even the world itself. And it's the solar system is a singularity. It's one solar system, so it's playing its part. Then you go even more meta, zoom out even more, and you get the galaxy, you go all the way out to the universe with the capital U, which is everything that you can imagine is the infinite. There's, it's, a, it's a nonstop infinite. All multiverses, all whatever you can imagine and more is the universe. And it's a singularity. It's one. And whenever you can do that in your own mind and really deconstruct it and you're left with that realization that that oneness it becomes one life it's not my life your life and mine's more important because it's mine no it's one life when you think holistically like that i mean it, you're going to be happier for one and you're going to going to be more helpful to to creating a more beautiful reality for everyone else I like it. I like it. Well, Adrian, like I said, I appreciate this, man. And uh, I hope we can do it again soon. Thank you, man. Nice talking to you. You too, bro.